0: Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, The Ministry of Marriage, by Jim Benny. Okay, well, we've been in uh, Colossians chapter 2 for the last uh, several times we were together. And we're... um, Uh, Dealing with myths in marriage. And so if you remember Colossians chapter 2, I'll read verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So we, we've recognized and we've talked about that verse about how there are certain patterns of thinking that we can develop that are not necessarily biblical, and they can find their basis in some of these areas listed, listed in this verse. And we want to be careful that we're not thinking erroneously just because, well, I've always been taught, and sometimes you, what's the old idea? If you repeat a lie long enough, people begin to believe it. And, and there's some truth to that, right? If you just keep saying something over and over, like, like even in Christendom, we do sometimes say things that the Bible really doesn't say. We can misquote a verse unintentionally enough that it's kind of like people begin to believe a concept that's not necessarily what the Bible's teaching. So we want to be careful about that. So here's here's what we've talked about so far. We've talked about how uh, the, this is a myth. The honeymoon will last forever. It, 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 again, I, I'm not trying to be a spoil sport, but every marriage is going to have some kind of problem at some point, okay? Uh, again, it might not be a problem with each other. Uh, it, it might not. But it could be a health issue, a financial issue, a, a child issue. It, it, there can be some kind of issue, okay? And so it's not always going to be just uh, love and roses and, and those kind of things. It's, it's just not. So we talked about that. Uh, we were talking, I think the last time we were together, about complicated problems have easy solutions. That's a myth, Uh, When there are complicated problems, uh, sometimes the solution is, it may be simple, but it's not easy, okay? Uh, Meaning this, I think sometimes people, they they think, oh, we've had a problem, and so we're going to sit down and have one 45-minute counseling session, and uh, how long have you had this problem? I've had it for 10 years, and okay, we're going to meet one time for 45 minutes and solve that problem, done, I'm sorry, I I hate to be a spoil sport. That's not the way it works. Now, I'm not saying if you've had a problem for 10 years that it's gonna take 10 years or more to solve it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, please understand that the solutions to our problems are not necessarily easy, okay? And we we, we did unpack that one. Uh, The last myth that we talked about is it's not my fault. Um, One of the biggest reasons people, I think, seek help in their marriage is to position their mate so the counselor can change them. And I think that this happens a lot. Fix her, fix him. And it's very easy. There's an internal defense attorney in all of us. And some of our defense attorneys are better than others. Listen, I—I I tell you, I mentioned that podcast that, that talked about personality, and he, he defined it by color, and uh, it was it's just interesting. And it's true for, for me, anyway. Uh, the, 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 the personality that was labeled red color, which is how I am, he says some of the, some of these people in the red category were just born right, and uh, you can't convince them they're not right. They're always right, and. You know, that's, I, I have a tendency to be that way. Just right, even when you're wrong, you're right, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, we kind of can carry that into our relationships. And many will admit that they shoulder some of the blame, but it's very little, you know. So we talked about, if you remember, I'm just trying to bring you up to speed and we'll, we'll close this one. But we talked about unresolved guilt, and I asked you to picture a, a scale. And on this scale, one side is guilt, one side is blame, and uh, you know, whenever you sin, what happens is God pushes down on the guilt side because we're guilty. All of sinning comes short of the glory of God. So when we, we sin, God pushes down on that guilt side. And, and uh, what, what, what ends up happening is you can have one of two reactions there. You can have the spiritual reaction. Where you confess your sin and you forsake your sin. And and what happens is God then starts to pull that pressure of guilt off and balance the scale. Or you can push down on the blame side. So if I got guilt going down on here and blame is over here, then I can just push blame on this. Well, my upbringing. Look, I'm against Freudian psychology. Determinism is a bunk idea. Now listen. Does your childhood influence you? Sure. But is that an excuse? Listen, I've met people. Well, you just don't understand how I was raised. Or you don't understand what I went through. You're right. I I don't completely. But again, all you're doing is pushing down on the blame side to alleviate the guilt. That's that's really what you're doing. Um, We we can push the blame down on our spouse. Listen, we've all heard this story right here. And I want to be very blunt. When somebody commits adultery. I, I mean, I've, I've heard this before. Well, she's just ice cold. That's why I committed adultery. Okay, I'm not saying she should be ice cold in the love relationship, but that doesn't. What you're all you're doing is pushing down on the blame to assuage your grief. Well, he didn't show me attention and then this guy in the office started showing me attention. Well, again, I I understand he he should be loving and caring and kind and considerate to his wife and and, and shame on him for not being there. But all you're doing is pushing down on the blame to, again, uh, alleviate the guilt. Everybody with me? Okay, I feel like some of you are looking at me a a a little funny today, but maybe that's just how you look, I don't know. So, so, obviously, spiritual reaction, carnal reaction, unresolved guilt. We talked about the depletion of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. When it's high, we, we can overcome. I, I, I try to give you the illustration. If, if you're canoeing down a river, and there's big rocks in the river, if the river is high above the rocks, you can, you can ride your canoe right over the rocks. If the river is low, you're going to run right into those rocks. Well, think about that with the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, Things that shouldn't annoy you, because you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, controlling your life. It allows you to go over. I'm not saying they're not, they're not issues. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should just ignore them. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit helps there. When the feelings of the Spirit is high, uh, we're not as bothered. The longer a person is without God, what didn't bother a marriage partner about their mate before now begins to irritate them slightly. Um, you know, I, remember I gave you that little statement, I thought it was good. When a believer goes, uh, goes without God for a day, he knows it. When he goes without God for two days, his, their spouse knows it. If he goes without God for three days, the world knows it. And I don't know if I'm quantifying it correctly in days, but I think you get the drift. You, you will spend a period of time where you know you're not right with God. And it's not going to take terribly too long before the people that you live with, that you're the closest to in proximity, they're going to recognize something's not right there. And you let that go long enough, listen, the world will know, hey, something is off. They're not where they ought to be. And they're going to recognize it. And so as the level of the Holy Spirit diminishes, what happens is the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So what we need to do is instead of trying to change our mate... Uh, or even worse, replace our mate. Instead, we need to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I, I already alluded to this, but this is where we did not finish the last time we were together. Let's be careful about blaming the past. So again, another myth is, it's not my fault. And another reason the it's not my fault myth is embraced is because secular psychology has affected our, our society as a whole. I mean, even people that didn't take psychology classes and have never read a book by Freud uh, still have been affected by modern psychology because it pops out in the books that we read. It pops out in the news articles that, that are fed to us. It pops out in the, the the just water cooler conversations with people in our world. It, it just does. And so what happens is this... It's not my fault is the practice of blaming current emotional and spiritual struggles on past traumas. There's no question, no question that a painful past can have a negative influence. We we have to admit that because a healthy past can have a positive influence. Listen, if you had two parents that stayed together, like, let's take salvation out of the equation. If you just had a mom and a dad that actually had a fairly decent civil relationship, like they got along and they liked each other and they stayed together for your entire life, that had, that, whether you recognize that or not, that had a positive influence on you. Now I'm, I'm, I'm taking spirituality out of it. So we, we understand that, I think as I look around this room and I see your families, not perfect families, none of us have perfect families. But I think you have families, so you care enough about your marriage to be in Sunday school this morning. You you care enough about your marriage to kind of jot some things down here. You you care enough about your kids to have them in church and Sunday school this morning. You are providing a healthy foundation for your kids. You you really are. And just as you're doing that in a positive way, it it can be done in a negative way. But but let's admit, you can have your kids in Sunday school every Sunday and have a decent marriage. And that's not going to guarantee that your kids are going to do right. All you're doing is providing an influence. And so the same is true that if, if a negative influence was provided for you, that doesn't determine. Look, look I, I liter- this, this troubles me. I, I disagree with this and this bothers me. I have heard pastors. Uh, I, I remember specifically one pastor talking to me, not about my own family. I, I didn't have older kids at the time. He was talking about his own kids. And he was kind of bothered because his daughter liked somebody who uh, had come from a broken home. And he wanted to kind of shut that thing down, like, well, he comes from a broken home. Listen to me, just because you grew up in a broken home doesn't mean that you're going to have a bad marriage. And listen to me, just because you grew up in a home that showed a good marriage doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a good marriage. So, so we, can't, we can't blame our past. When we confuse an influence with a cause, that's where we make a mistake. Is there influences in our life? Sure. Sure. But is that causation? No, no. See, because what that if we do that, then we end up having some kind of card that basically says it's not my fault. It's always someone else's fault. It's not my fault. It's my dad's fault. It's not my fault. It's my mom's fault. It's not my fault. It's my boss's fault. It's not my fault. It's the teacher's fault. And that that kind of stuff goes on all over the place. Have we all had a bad teacher? Anybody in here ever had a bad teacher? Yeah, I've had some bad teachers. But you can't blame the teacher every time you do bad on a test. And we got some teachers in this room and they should be saying, amen. amen. Right. I mean, like you can't blame the teacher every time. Um, we've all come on. We've all. I don't want to get you to raise your hand again. I mean, I'm sure some of you in here have had bad pastors and I hope you're not thinking. Phew. <laughs> I mean, I know. Look, I've grown up in church all my life, too. I've seen some things that you're kind of like, really? But, but again, you can't say, well, that youth group or that this or this church. You're gonna, you're, if you do that, you're going to end up living a miserable life. And you will never succeed in anything because all you ever do is be an excuse maker. And, and I, again, eventually the someone else, you know, it's always someone else Here's what I see far too often. It turns out it's my spouse. You know, well, we would, we would have a good love life if it wasn't for my spouse. We, we would have, you know, better finances than my, my spouse. We would get along if it wasn't my spouse. And all of these things, it's just always you, 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 you. And that's just a bad place to live. Um, honestly, once you're saved, you really don't have any excuses. You say, what do you mean? Well... According to Romans chapter 8, if you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit that enables you. You have, think about it, you have a Bible that guides you. You have a church that's here to encourage you. The church can't solve all your problems, but one thing a church should be doing is edifying you into good works. So you have a church to encourage you. Um, you have a pastor to teach you. And again... I can't tell you how many times I've told people, I wish I had magic pixie dust in my desk. I pull it out and I'd sprinkle it on your situation and poof, you're all better. I'm sorry, I don't have that ability. I, I, I mean, Peter still holds the world record for walking on water for human beings. I mean, I, and I don't think anybody's gonna break it anytime soon. Um, you, you know, it's just, these are challenges, but, but here's what I am here to do. I am here to teach you and I'm doing the best that I can to do that. And, and not only that, not only do you have the Holy Spirit to enable you, you have the Word of God to guide you, you have a church to encourage you, you have a pastor to teach you, you, you have prayer to connect you to God. You know, last night after, after the, 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 the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, Al Billings texted me and said, wow, you, you really out-prayed the rest of those Notre Dame fans. And I texted him back, I said, well, it wasn't that hard. Uh, they had the wrong mediator. I had the <laughs> Uh, but any, anyway, uh, you know, we have prayer that connects us to God. And aren't you thankful you don't have to go through Mary? You have boldness to go right into the presence of God. And uh, a- a- amen. I-, I will say, though, I did genuflect a couple times. but, um, but anyway. <laughs> Again, I'm not, I'm not say, I please, I don't, I don't hope anybody misunderstands me. I, I hope you don't misunderstand me. It's not to say that your mate has no culpability, right? I mean, like, like we, we all understand it takes two to tango. Um, And and I think that there are situations where it's 100% somebody else's fault. There are some situations like that, but those are rare. And again, to say that you, that that, that your mate has no culpability, again, I think they may be part of the problem, but the focus of the scripture is always on my responsibility. That's where the focus of the scripture is. It's my responsibility. Um, and, And so keep that in mind. Now, let me just introduce the, the next myth. All right. And we'll, we'll stop there. And, and I know it's a little abbreviated in my teaching today, we like a little time of fellowship and we took time for prayer. Uh, but here's the, here's the fourth myth and we'll examine it in fuller detail next time we're together. Love is all you need. You know, you know some people think love is all you need in a marriage. That's just all you need. And, and I think that it's probably the most popular myth that we encounter in our world. And, and since it's the most popular, it, it could quite possibly be the most dangerous. Because think about it. If our entire world comes to, a cons- comes to one consensus on a subject, that should be cause for concern. So like when you see, love's all you need. You know, hashtag love wins. It's just, it's just about love. That's all it's about. Uh I think that ought to raise some red flags in our mind. And you say, well, what, what you against love? No, I'm just suggesting that love may not be all it's claimed to be when it comes to the enjoyment of marriage. And we're going to talk about what love really is and what love's place is in our marriages. And I just kind of want to debunk that that uh, myth that love is all you need. Now, look, do you need love? (laughs) Yes. Let's end on that note. Listen, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for. The, the Bible talks about older women, teach the younger women to love their husbands. We need love in our marriages. Come on. I mean, fellas, we can leave on that note. Hey, does your wife know? I mean, does she know that you love her? Man, and if she doesn't, you need to figure out some way this week to let her know, I love you, whether that's a Nice text, a gift, a extra time. I don't know what it is, but show some love. And ladies, she, he needs to know that, that you love him. Listen, I remember one time there was a lady and a husband and a wife in my office talking, not here, somewhere else. And um, I remember the guy saying, I know my wife loves me. I know she loves me, but I don't think she likes me. And I was getting that vibe, too. <laughs> Um, hey ladies, I hope your husband knows that you love him and you like him. All right. And let's figure out a way to convince them of that this week. All right. All right. Very good.